This past week, we have a couple of key topics to talk about. Uh, Alex Jones, Twitter, social media, free speech. That's one of them because that's, that's, that's just a thing that people love to talk about nowadays. We also have government spending, like, you know, Donald Trump's big military parade, like, you know, and all this money that we're just pulling out of nowhere. Also, Rand Paul getting some criticism for some things that he's been doing lately. We'll talk a little bit about that and more. Friday, August 17th, 2018, the day that Twitter died. Not really. Not really the day that Twitter died. I mean, a, a, a good to fair amount of people said that they were going to deactivate Twitter. And Let me just read the, the hashtag that was going on. The hashtag was hashtag deact today. Uh, hashtag D-E-A-C-T-I day and uh, I implore you go on right now even and you can see the 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 floodgates of non what's the non-genuine people threatening to leave Twitter even though they're not leaving Twitter or going on Twitter and tweeting about how they're leaving Twitter to be part of some big hashtag trending movement uh whatever so August 17th is D-Day uh, they try to make it sound cool, try to liken it to an event that uh, a bunch of soldiers uh, stormed the beaches of Normandy, right? Uh, which is, this is obviously in the same vein, um, and obviously not disrespectful towards the actual D-Day itself, because this is a social justice movement, and it's important, right? It's a big thing. This is a picture, by the way. It's all red. It's all red with distressed lettering and stuff, so you know they're serious, you know that... Uh, they mean business with this. Uh, it says, quote, show Twitter you won't be a part of a place that tolerates bigotry and abusive information, specifically from Alex Jones. Let me stop right there. Because Alex Jones, th- th- this whole thing spurred over the fact that Jack, Twitter CEO, would not just specifically silence Alex Jones' account from the mob screaming to do it. Uh, because he believed that Alex Jones tweets themselves did not violate the terms and conditions of uh, of Twitter. And so Jack stood up to the mob and folded like a like a chair. Uh, uh easily folded by silencing Alex Jones' ability to tweet but not his access to Twitter. Mind you. That's what it came down to because it, as of right now Alex Jones is silenced. He can't tweet but he can still get on his account, and he can still read tweets. He can read the tweets coming at him. He can read what's going on on Twitter. He just can't tweet. Back to the thing. Deactivate your account on Friday, August 17th. Twitter has 30 days to make it right. After that, account deletions become permanent, and Twitter has lost all of us for good. Hashtag deactivate. 
Okay. All right. You know, um, why should Twitter pander to the mob on this one? I mean, you know, and mind you, I, I hate Alex Jones. I don't like Alex Jones. I think Alex Jones is nuts. I think he said damaging things. I think he said non-factual things. I think he said, uh, at times, reprehensible things. That's Alex Jones. That's, that's, that's Alex Jones. That's who he is. Here's, uh, here's Jack Dorsey, Twitter CEO, on uh, the suspension of Alex Jones, real quick. Alex Jones on Twitter posted this week uh, what essentially is a video calling for people to get their battle rifles ready against the media, saying it's time to act, it's got to be done now, move criminally against people. Send a chill up my spine. How about yours? It did. I mean, there's a, there's a number of actions that um, we believe help uh, a call to incitement to violence, and uh, those are the things that we need to make sure that we're taking action on. You have, you've taken action against him in, in this instance. What we is have. it? Can you tell us what it is? We, uh, I believe we put him in a, uh, a timeout, um, uh, removing his ability to tweet uh, for, uh, for a time period. A timeout seems, uh, seems minor compared to the implications of someone suggesting a call to arms against a particular group, in this case, the media. How do you respond to that? Well, I feel, you know, any, any suspension, whether it be a permanent one or a temporary one, make someone think about their actions and their behaviors. And you think um, Alex Jones is going to change there. his behavior based on a timeout? I don't know. Um, we, we have found that it does have the potential to change impact and change behavior. So um, whether it works within this case to um, change some of those behaviors and change some of those actions, I don't know. But this is consistent with how we enforce. So, I mean, we could I, I could go on a little tirade about Jack and how Twitter enforces things because accounts get suspended all the time. Austin Peterson got put in Twitter jail uh, uh, probably a dozen times uh, for no real legitimate reason, not really violating any terms and conditions of Twitter, just doing things that typically the, these, these, these companies just don't like uh, for whatever reason. Mostly political view. It, it, a lot of the time is what it is. Uh, I mean, Facebook wouldn't have had to have a sit-down convention with conservatives over a year ago, I think now, or better, uh, to talk to a bunch of conservative heads because of algorithms and, and, and the way that things were being handled. It wouldn't have happened if there was... And mind you, at least Mark Zuckerberg at that time admitted, you know, yes, uh, we're in Silicon Valley. We're, we, we are very... Uh, left-leaning, and we are very progressive-leaning uh, and, and approving. So, yeah, we do have those differences. Jack. People have an interesting relationship with Jack. Um, and with Twitter itself, anyway. Twitter's a big company. There's millions of people using it. There's probably violation after violation, day after day, and hunting them all down, having a team of people to hunt them all down, that costs money. It's time and it's resources, and it's a fine line to walk to for these guys. I mean, Alex Jones isn't barred from Twitter. He's not suspended, per se. He's in timeout and can't tweet, which is, uh, I guess, was Jack's way to softly cave to the crowd and not fully cave to the crowd to say, all right, listen, uh, his little call to arms against the media, that's bad. 
and uh, and so we'll give them a, a timeout. Interesting thing on the media, though, and this is what gets me. So the media, obviously, is uh, what, what, what did President Trump call the media? Works, you know, the enemy, the enemy of the people, I call them. And I talked about that. I talked about how I felt that the media isn't per se the enemy of the people, but I'm not going to gloss over all of the media people and say that uh, they are doing a great service to our country and being completely and totally honest with us and making things absolutely easy to understand and giving us only the facts and not giving us any spin or any lean or anything like that. I've, I've harped on that. You need to do a lot of research. You need to do a lot of digging. You need to do a lot of fact-checking. And by the way, fact-checking isn't just going on to PolitiFact and seeing what the little gif image of, you know, true or pants on fire. You know, that's not fact-checking if you just go on PolitiFact and say, oh, they're going to tell me the truth without any bi-. Like, you know, it's a source that you can use, but please, back up all your sources because if they don't back up what they're saying, I've seen PolitiFact skewed sometimes on both sides of the spectrum. Not just one or the other, but both. That's what Donald Trump... This is this is truly a conundrum in, in this time period right now, uh, which is going to lead into talking about some other events in a minute. But, but the media, Donald Trump, Gets up, bashes the media. Fake news, CNN is fake news. These people are fake news. They're liars. Uh, they're hypocrites. He, he picks people out of the media and picks on them all the time. All the time. Disparages them left and right. Um, and that's that's tough to come from the, you know, the leader of the free world, the guy that's supposed to be open to the press and, uh, you know, allow them to do their job. And he, a lot of times, will go on the pulpit and, and just bludgeon them um, with his rhetoric. The the President of the United States saying that the news media is the enemy of the American people can put images in some of his crazier followers and some of his more extreme followers. And that is, that, that's telling. And then Alex Jones saying to take up your arms against the media... I mean, that's a it's pretty telling tweet right there. Um, there's not much left to be deciphered in a tweet like that, right? But it's funny to me because... It, it's funny to me because you hear this coming from Trump. Trump saying the media is the enemy of the American people. Alex Jones saying take up your arms against the media. You want to know who attacks the media more often than not? People like Antifa. People like Antifa who are sworn enemies of God Emperor Trump. We will take down this evil dictator. Antifa has gotten into more incidents with the media than... Almost anybody on the right wing. It's it's a little ridiculous. The media, mind you, some of the irresponsibility of the media is when they uh, when they trump something up. Uh, How how long did we get hyped 
from news media about this Unite the Right rally that's going to happen in Washington, D.C. It's a Unite the Right rally that has the the white supremacists that were in Charlottesville over a year ago where a woman died from the actions of one man in a car. Despicable actions. Absolutely. A needless, senseless death that happened in a clash of a protest that I didn't quite understand any of it. Didn't didn't understand any of it. But um, so we got trumped up for this unite the right rally that was happening in Washington D.C. and Antifa was gonna be there to counter protest, and there was probably gonna be blood in the streets, except that it was like twenty, twenty to twenty five losers who drug themselves out of their mother's basement to stand in front of the White House, wear MAGA hats, wave stupid, goofy-looking flags, and be little pissants. That was it. It was 25 guys that came to the Unite the Right rally. 25 guys. And you'll see... If you just you can YouTube a lot of things, the internet's a great place, right? You can um you can YouTube and you can look at all the different media coverage that happened that day, live streamings, you know, all all this stuff. And one of the most act one of the most actual factual reportings of it was from like USA Today. Cuz if you look if you look on on YouTube for for example, you'll see news agency after news agency talking about how uh, Unite the Right was overwhelmed by counter protesters and all that. Whereas USA Today just bluntly states, uh, "Unite the Right 2018 DC rally lacks attendance," and and their reporting of it was that you know oh, originally they were anticipating 400 people, which is nothing. It's that's not even a it's not even a, a blip on the radar of interesting. 400 people downgraded it to 100 people on Sunday morning, which is even, even less significant, and then ended up being 25, which didn't even deserve the news coverage. Uh, in fact, on Twitter, I even tweeted out, uh, there's a certain rally happening in D.C. that people want to talk about, but I don't want to give it legitimacy or a platform or anything like that. So I... I'm not going to pay the attention to the 25 people that are so in desperate need of it. Like, just not going to do it. Much, much in the same, you can pour over all this different footage, and there was, there was a ton of different groups protesting against, uh, I think there was like probably a thousand or better people counter-protesting. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't massive numbers. I think what happens, I think what's happening right now is a perfect example of you see like these extreme ideologies that just aren't garnering enough like uh, you know the Antifa there's this wing of Antifa who I mean like first off we're having arguments over people saying well uh, a- Antifa is real easy are you against fascism then you're part of Antifa N- no mm, not so much not not working out that way uh, because. I've read some 
and heard some of what Antifa wants. And, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, sometimes I think people forget the definition of, uh, of fascism. Um, which is, of course, Merriam-Webster defines fascism as often capitalized. It's kind of funny. A political philosophy, movement, or regime, such as that of fascisti, uh, that exalts nation and often race, often race, not always race, but often race, above the individual, and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and social regimentation, and forcible suppression of opposition. That is the definition of fascism. Which means, if you're one of those people that say anybody that believes in conservative ideology or conservative principles or limited government, and you want to call those people fascists, It's like it's it's the same old power swapping as long as our people are in control. I mean, we're allowed to be fascists because our fascism is cool. That's why I don't that's why I criticize Antifa. And I've had some conversations with people, some deep conversations where they're like, "No, Antifa's the, the they're the freedom fighters." N- no. No, they're not. Nope. No, and by the way, anybody, any rally, I don't care what it is, if you're at a rally covering up your face, suited up in your hodgepodge homemade armor uh, with the dozens of signs, and you have to have your face covered up, that to me makes you a coward. And if you're doing it in a large group, in a, in a large group that is willing to be violent, as in break stuff, like I don't know, Marine headquarters. I forget where that happened, but. If you're if you're in a large group of people and you're suited up and you got bats and clubs and you're covering up your face and you're yelling and you're screaming and you're hooting and you're hollering, you are not brave. You're not a freedom fighter. You're not fighting for your cause. You're a coward. You're a coward who feels emboldened because of group numbers and you're covering up your face and you can't own what it is you're doing. And if you can't if that's what you have to do to get your ideas across, if that's what you do have to do to get your point across, if you can't stand, show your face and boldly defend what you believe is right with this, with your voice, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, and I can't stand the world right now because of the ridiculousness. I really can't. I think if you're, I think if you're doing what I do, if you do a podcast, if you do a YouTube channel, if you do social media, and it's your picture, and it's your voice, and it's your ideas, and your conviction, and your money going into these endeavors, I think that is far more interesting i think that's far more effective i think it's far more civil but you know these times of civility have passed us you know the time for civility 
is gone. Take up your arms. I mean, that's what everybody wants to do right now. Everybody wants to just take up their arms and get into a big old war for some reason. Whether it's amongst each other, whether it's a civil war, or whether it's a cold war. Because Rand Paul is catching flack for uh, going over and visiting Russia and talking to Russian diplomats. Diplomats? I don't know what happened to my voice there. Talking to Russian diplomats and visiting Vladimir Putin and delivering letters from President Donald J. Trump to Vladimir Putin. Uh, if anybody talks to Russia, if anybody says anything slightly positive about Russia, if anybody does anything that isn't negative impacting Russia, all of a sudden they're a traitor now. All of a sudden they're the enemy now. And uh, provided this harsh rhetoric that's going on, uh, I noticed, uh, and Rand Paul's catching flack. Why Rand Paul's catching flack, I don't know. Um, looking at it, trying to look at it from a perspective of effective diplomacy, I don't understand it. Um, I don't understand the hate that's coming to him, rather. Not, not that I don't understand his actions. Here's Rand Paul on uh, the Ingram angle talking about this very subject. Uh, so, Russia, you just came back from your trip to the former Soviet Union. You met, I know, with top government officials, both in the, in the what's equivalent of their legislature. What can you tell the American people tonight about the state of U.S.-Russian relations under President Trump? I think from both sides that our relations are at the worst ebb that they've been since the height of the Cold War. And this is a real tragedy. One of the great things that Ronald Reagan did was sitting down with Gorbachev. And so one of the highlights for me is I got to sit down for an hour with uh, former President Gorbachev and talk about his recollections with Ronald Reagan, but also talk about how both sides, both Ronald Reagan and Gorbachev, had to defy the orthodoxy of their country to sit down and come to agreements. And they didn't, you know call each other names, they didn't call, say murderous thug and talk about all the terrible things, some of which did happen throughout a long period of time in the Soviet Union, they sat down and said, let's try to make it better, and they did. Are some of these uh, government officials are going to be coming to the United States. I know you had extended right. an invitation. We were some thought of Trump meeting with Putin. I guess that's off the table. Right. I mean, there's a lot off the, on the table, off the table. I think people are very confused about this. The, they have two houses in their parliament, one called the Federation, which is like our Senate, their upper body, and then they have the Duma, which is the lower body. They have both agreed to come to Washington in the fall for further meetings. That's a good thing. The downside is the chairman of each of the committees is banned from coming to the United States because of sanctions. So one of the things I'm going to ask the president, I'm going to talk to the president this weekend, is I'm going to say, why don't we take people off the list at least temporarily. who are in the legislature? Yeah, or at least temporarily so they can come and, exactly. come and speak. Now, trying to talk about any of this is so, it, everything is such a dumpster fire right now. I mean a dumpster fire with everybody pouring a different accelerant onto that dumpster. Some people it's gasoline, some people it's kerosene, some people, you know, all different crap. And then there's always some crazy asshole who wants to throw in a box of explosives because he wants it to go boom. And that's where I feel like we are right now. I feel like Every little thing is in the crosshairs of everybody, and it's so muddy and murky and hard to follow. I mean, people, mind you, are bashing on Rand Paul for supporting the 
revocation of John Brennan's security clearance, for example. And a lot of people were up in arms about John Brennan's security clearance being taken away because of his involvement in this Russia investigation by Robert Mueller and uh, trying to follow that. Every week there's talk about the advancements in the Russia investigation and who's to blame for what, and it's such a cluster. I, I don't want to say the other part of that word, but it's such a cluster trying to dishevel and take apart all this information and figure out what's going on in the world. And it's it's frustrating. It's agonizing. It hurts my brain sometimes. Because if you're ever wondering, you know, hey, why does Fritz always say he's a libertarian? Why does he always say he's a limited government guy? Why is he all, you know, why is he sitting there saying, let the gays be gay and let the let the transsexuals be transsexuals and let's just let, let's just let the government not be concerned about what people are doing behind a bedroom door or in their own house between consenting adults why is he all that and then why is he all the government shouldn't be spending all this money and taxing the crap out of you and and all this other crap why is Fritz like that it's because everything else is freaking complicated (laughs) because everything else is just I, I, I can't tell you how much how much time I could waste just right now, I could shut off recording and start doing research on the Russia investigation. And if I wanted to get all the information that's available on the internet and, and try to bring myself up to speed on it, it would take me from now until probably next week several hours per day. And by several, I don't mean two or three. I mean like five, six, seven, ten hours every day. Pouring over statements and news reports and commentaries, and I, I that would drive me mad. It should I do it? Probably. Am I going to do it? No, I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it right now. My God, I'm not gonna do it. And the other problem is that while all this is going on, there's always something else going on. This is the reality TV, you know, boom information world of a Donald Trump presidency because the last two days have been all over Donald Trump, Omarosa. Is there the secret tape of him using the N-word? Because, you know, Trump is a racist, obviously. That's, that's what we're getting at. He called Omarosa a dog. Now I'm not defending Trump in that. I'm 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 no way, in no way defending Donald Trump in that. I'm just asking the world, why are you surprised anymore? Why like why why does when he acts like an ass, when he says something like that that's despicable, discouraging, why are we shocked? This isn't nothing to be shocked about anymore. I never liked the guy. I never liked the guy. I mean, it it's funny that it's driving people insane. As my buddy Jay would say, it's fun to sit back and watch the world burn and not be actively engaged in the burning of it. But, I, I mean, it's 
scary, too. It is scary, but everything gets lost in the sauce. Something else comes up into play, and some sometimes I kind of wonder, is, it, is this little distractions popping up? Is this... By the way, the news media, the, the, the golden boys that just want to bring us the truth, right, and do us good. Jim Acosta just wants to fight on the factual battleground of facts for you and bring you all the facts. That's what Jim Acosta wants to do, and this isn't even a Jim Acosta voice. I don't know whose voice this is, but this is how we're going to talk for the next couple minutes. We just want to fight on the field of facts and bring you the facts. No, 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 no. You know what? News media might not be the enemy of the American people, but they're certainly not the friend of the American people. The news media is out for ratings. They're out for views. They're out for money. That's what news media is out for. That's their purpose. That's their goal. That's why, leading up to the events on Sunday of this Unite the Right 2 rally, there was nonstop talk about how there was going to be clashing protests and that we would bring you 24-7 live coverage and we'll have some of the best experts and panelists to talk about it because they wanted you to tune in and watch live because they wanted your money. They wanted they wanted your presence because that's money. Viewership is money. This is where we're in a, a very evolutionary period with the internet and open information, which, by the way, random fact... Um, it's been 60-some days, maybe 90-some days since the repeal of net neutrality rules, which was going to kill everybody and, and destroy the Internet. The, U- the United States is now enjoying, like, the sixth highest, or rather sixth, sixth fastest, from 12th to sixth fastest in the world, which you think we would be number one. But uh, you know, and that's according. That's according to the uh, Daily Caller. Uh, just saying, but but everything's going on at once. There's there's way too much to follow, and then there's this from Ben Swan. Well, foreign adversaries are weaponizing information. That, according to the director of the NSA. So, number one. What does that mean? And number two, what about the fact that the United States has made it legal for our own government to propagandize our own population? Let's give it a reality check. You won't see anywhere else. Reality check with Ben Swan, powered by SmartCash. Army General Paul Nakasone, who heads both NSA and Cyber Command, said recently that both the military and the nation as a whole are taking steps to counter foreign information warfare and to use information operations against adversaries. Specifically, he's talking about Russia and China. The point, that both of those nations have taken steps to control information on the Internet in order to prevent their populations from being influenced by the U.S. He was talking about the Arab Spring uprisings that began in 2011. Nakasone says they were fueled by social media and the Internet, and they led to the unseating of several governments throughout the Middle East and North Africa. Quote, we looked at this as an indicator of how powerful a free and open Internet can be in the world. And we looked at this from that lens. But I would also say that our adversaries looked at it from a completely different lens, as an existential threat to their existence. That's what Nakasone said, but what he didn't tell you, and what you may not know, 
is that the U.S. government has countered the influence, they say, of foreign propaganda by passing a law that allows our government to propagandize its own people. See, the 2016 version of the NDAA, or the National Defense Authorization Act, signed by President Obama, included a provision called the Countering Foreign Propaganda and Disinformation Act of 2016. It was sponsored by Ohio Senator Rob Portman, and it was actually designed, he says, to combat foreign propaganda from Russia, China, and Iran. Senator Portman said this about the act at the time, quote, Surprisingly, there is currently no single U.S. governmental agency or department charged with the national-level deployment, integration, and synchronization of whole-of-government strategies to counter foreign propaganda and disinformation. Again, that was in 2016. See, this bipartisan bill established an interagency center housed at the State Department. Its job is to coordinate and to synchronize counter-propaganda efforts throughout the U.S. government. Okay, but it actually does much more than that. It also creates a grant program for NGOs, for think tanks, and civil society as well, as those who are already engaged in, quote, counter-propaganda-related work. But let's be clear, this concept was actually sold as countering propaganda. But here's the thing. If government agencies put out or fund information that is disseminated to the public for the purpose of altering or controlling a point of view, isn't that the very definition of propaganda? Because in fact, the definition of propaganda is this, quote, information, ideas, or rumors deliberately spread widely to help or harm a person, group, movement, institution, nation, etc. So this law funds U.S. propaganda against its own citizens. Now, before you object and say, wait, that can't be true because it's illegal for the U.S. to propagandize its own citizens, well, you were right. It was until five years ago. In 2013, that version of the National Defense Authorization Act removed a ban on U.S. government creating and then showing propaganda to U.S. citizens. That ban had been in place since 1948, and the 2013 amendment struck down a ban on domestic dissemination of material produced by the State Department and the Independent Broadcasting Board of Governors. See, it neutralized the Smith-Munt Act of 1948 and the Foreign Relations Authorization Act of 1987, which have been passed to protect U.S. audiences from our own government's misinformation campaigns. So what you need to know is that in 2013, when that act passed, most media said, don't worry, because even though it's now legal for the U.S. government to create propaganda, there's no funding mechanism. But in 2016, the funding mechanism was added. And now in 2018, the head of the NSA says we are in a weaponized information war with Russia and China. There was a reason why, for over 60 years, it was illegal for the U.S. government to propagandize the public. Because forget about Russia and forget about China. That law was in place to protect the public from our own government. So what is the answer here? Well, how about the media in America just tells the truth, just reports facts, does not act as arms of political parties on the right or on the left, doesn't act as a mouthpiece for government institutions. See, if we want to combat propaganda, both foreign and domestic, then we should be pushing for a free and open system that informs the public rather than trying to control what they believe. That's Reality Check. Let's talk about that right now on social media. That is why living right now at the height of technology, at the at the most cutting edge of society, um, living in 2018 is scary. More than anything, scary. Because how many people think like that? And how many people can piece together such pieces of the puzzle? And then listen to it 
and then stand up to the people who criticize against it because, ah, you're just a nut job. And, ah, our government wouldn't be that bad anyway. That's what a lot of people say, and it really is a testament to when the people, when your team is in power, when your team is in power, do you really care about the other people? Do you really care about the other people? Do you care about the other nation? Do you care about the opposition? Do you care? I forget where I once read it. I forget who the quote gets attributed to, and I'm going to... I'm going to muck it up anyway, but if somebody has the answer, please tweet it to me, email it to me, whatever. But uh, it's a passage, something along the lines of, Everyone loves the the benevolent dictator when his fury is pointed in the other direction. When it's pointed in the other direction, when it's away from you, when it's away from the people that you love, you tend not to care about the other people. Because things are good for you. Status quo is maintained. And it's only when the status quo is not maintained and when it threatens you that you actually really care about it. And this is where I'm starting to tell people we have to step back. We have to think about what's going on. We have to use these brains in our head and we have to start respecting some of the key pillars and principles that we have in place. Or at least that we had here in place in this country at once upon a time. Judging a person by their actions, not by their color, not by their race, creed, not by their religion, but by their actions, by who they were, who they are. Not if they were Democrat or Republican or a Green Party or a Libertarian or a Whig or a... I know Whigs don't exist anymore, but, you know, this is, this is what I'm talking about. Every Everything's getting... Everything's division, 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 division. And I'm starting to think that... Instead of division, I don't want to. I don't want to fuel the fires of division. I'm not willing to stand on a hill and die for the cause of division. I am willing to stand on the hill and die for the cause of liberty. Die for the cause of upholding people's natural rights. Which, by the way, it seems seems to me that the media, the government. And maybe even large masses of people seemingly just don't give a shit about right now. Guys, that's going to do it for me today. Thank you for listening and thank you for participating in this mad project known as FritzCast. If if you're a new follower on Twitter, uh, a a newcomer listener, uh, welcome to the show. And and thank you from the bottom of my heart for for giving me your time Uh, because I know... I know I'm nuts. I know that it, sitting through me talking and sharing clips and all that can be probably aggravating sometimes. At least it seems that way. And the fact that you would choose me over other preferred f- platforms means a lot to me. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at FritzQS. We're on Facebook.com slash FritzCast. Uh, I'm not going to give you my personal Facebook page because it's my personal Facebook page. All right, If you find me, whatever. But if, if you can't find me, then move along loser i'm reachable on gmail at uh fritzcastpodcast at gmail.com uh fritzcast.wordpress.com for my blogging endeavors but i also contribute to 71 republic follow my friends at sarcasm and liberty on uh all platforms there's there's dozens of people involved in sarcasm and liberty i love the fact that that thing's taking off like hotcakes right now too 
And uh, there, there's so many other people that I could say and give a shout-out to. So so many other great people in social media and social networking that are fighting, that are genuine people fighting for a better world day by day, willing to take the baby steps, willing, uh, w- willing to take the baby steps and smart enough to know that we can't just be like Thanos, snap our fingers and have half the world disappear <laughs> because that would be wrong. <laughs> that would be wrong even though Thanos was kind of right. I love all you, and I'll see you all next week. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube as well. Search for FritzCast Podcast on YouTube because more content is coming in video form. All right. Love you all and enjoy your weekend.